Today, we wrap up the No Bad Days Attitude is a Choice series. I will try to bring more of those bands, the wristbands, to have here perpetually. I've got a box of them, but I can't find them. So I'll find them and get them here for you. The last message is reconnecting the dots, determining my success. And I don't know how you feel about that when I say it's the last message, but I have some encouragement for you. There's a new series starting next week. You can see the little flyer up behind me. It's called Authentic Living Today. The elders and I met and discussed what might be good for all of us. And this is a, an original message series, an expository series, which means we simply go through the verses one by one. And we're going to go through the letters of Peter. You can read more about it. There's flyers like what you see up behind me right now. They're just like that, full color. And you can take, we've got plenty of copies. You can take them and put them in your favorite grocery store if they have a bulletin board or whatever. Share them with somebody who might want to be here, uh, somebody that needs that. Uh, but it's uh, a series that's going to take us from Valentine's Day all the way, if, if the Lord permits, through Father's Day. So that's the parameters of that series. And I look forward to it. I'm very excited about it. There's even a preaching schedule. If you want to take a look at that, you can see each message, how they're coming, if the Lord permits, uh, as we move through it. So that's exciting to me. I don't know about you, but I'm looking, so looking forward to it. I want to show you an image. This is an image of a group of people, and you see uh, a female right in the middle, and she's full color. Everybody else is black and white. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you've been in a place where you're in a crowd. Maybe it's at work or school. Or sometimes it happens even in your own home. Where you're around somebody else or other people, yet you feel completely alone. Isolated. By yourself. Nobody understands what you're going through and you've been going through. And even though you explain it to some people, they really couldn't know unless they were in your shoes how alone you felt at that time or you feel right now. If that's you, then today's message might be perfect for you and the upcoming series even more so. But I want you to think about something when, you, when you're thinking that way, that if you've been in that moment where you feel like you're all alone, even though you're in crowds or with someone else, or if you're in that mode right now, I want you to understand there is no way that a preacher could be standing on a platform in a church building and describing you unless other people have felt the same way. Does that make sense? You can relate because you're not as lone, alone as you think you are. Uh, you, you, you feel extremely isolated and alone, but wait a minute. Why is he talking about this unless other people feel this sometimes? You understand, this is kind of the way Christianity is designed. And we're going to talk about that in greater detail as the weeks unfold as we go through the new series, but we're going to talk about it a little bit today. 
Reconnecting the dots, determining my success. That's what we're going to talk about. I want to show you a chart, and this will help you in other areas of your life, just having a visual. We say some of us are visual. Well, really, we're all visual, all of us here that are in this room. We, we're all visual. We have eyes, we see, and we think visually quite frequently. But I want to show you this chart up behind me. And what it reflects is the square is your starting point or your question or your problem. The circle is when you are made whole. You've had the question answered or the problem is solved. So the circle would be the goal. That's where you want to be. You want the question answered, problem solved, or to be made whole. The key is how you get there. It does matter. And so that's what the arrow is for. How do we get to the point where we're starting, we have a problem, we have a question, and we're made whole, we have the question answered or the problem solved? And that's life, how you get there. But unfortunately for us, our life looks more like this. Look at this next one. We know where we wanted to go. But we didn't get there. Something happened. It's called life. And as life happens, sometimes we, we get off focus. We're a little distracted. We've talked about these things. But because of that, as we are trying to get to the goal, we take our eyes off of it. And we just go with the flow. And we don't get our questions answered. We, we don't have our problems solved. And we don't get made whole. But that's what our lives look like for most of us if we were to talk about it and admit a lot of what we've been through. So today we're talking about this and that we want to realign. And the way we do that is the way we align ourselves is by connecting the dots. We know where we were headed. We know we wanted to get there. But, and we knew how. At least we had an idea. But somehow we got off course. So let's connect the dots and when we do, we'll see ourselves realigned. And that's what God wants for us. You do know this, right? He wants us to be made whole. He wants our questions answered and our problems solved. He is the Lord who is master of those kinds of things. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 1, gives us a little bit of counsel right up front. This is, if you don't have this one highlighted or underlined or memorized, this is a good one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Did you know that? That is a great form of spiritual worship, and that is living sacrificially with everything you've got. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We talked about that from the beginning that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's one of those things we struggle with sometimes. I want to know what God's will is because it's not sent to us in a direct message, email, or text. God doesn't call us on the phone and say, this is my will. Boom! And tell you. For instance, you've got a, you've got a question about a situation where you want, to, you want to go for this promotion or you want to change careers. 
God, what do you want? He's not going to send you a text or an email or make a phone call. He's not going to do it that way. You are left to figure it out. And this tells us how you do that. If you determine not to conform to the pattern of this world, live sacrificially for the Lord, then you will be able to tell what the Lord's will is by testing, by living life the way He wants you. You're going to know what He wants you to do. Focus on Him, and He'll reveal to you His will. But what is this distraction? You brought up the distraction, Jeff. You talked about how you know we want to have our answers and have our solutions and be made whole. What's the distraction? Well, let me, let me be painfully clear what usually is the distraction. We quite frequently do conform. We quite frequently, instead of transforming ourselves to be like God wants us to be in the way we think, instead, we conform to the way the world wants us to think. And don't kid yourself if you think the world doesn't want you to think a certain way. All you have to do is turn on the television or look on social media, and you'll discover very quickly that there are other people that think all Christians think wrong. You need to think the way we want you to think. Christians, you want to criticize me? That's not love. That's the way they think. They want us to change the way we think so they can be more comfortable. And some of us have done exactly that. Because, you know, we had these beliefs we believe this way, this is the way, this is right. I know it's right, I know it's right, and I know it's wrong until one of our family members gets involved with something that's wrong, and then it's kind of okay. Or us. It's what happens. Instead of transforming our minds to be pleasing to the Lord so that we know the Lord's will, instead, the church sometimes, the people in the church, that's what makes up the church is the people, sometimes we become more like the world. It's easier, it's more comfortable to do what the world does and act like the world. Instead of being a light in the world, we're becoming a reflection of it. And that's sad. No wonder we have less of an impact. We're becoming just like them. Let me suggest to you, it's not everyone else. Sometimes it's me. I need to transform my thinking. Sometimes I have conformed to the world, and I should not have done it. And sometimes it's you. It's not everybody else. Sometimes we become too much like the world. Let me, let me explain it in greater detail. I want to, some of you, there's things like you can't, you might say, well, the Bible doesn't say that doing illegal drugs is wrong. It doesn't come right out and say you shouldn't do cocaine, so there you go. People do that. You know, let me help you out. Here's a verse for you. You might want to remember James 4.17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I don't know if you do this, but even if the Bible says absolutely nothing about a particular thing, if, you're, if you have decided in your mind you know what you should do and you don't do it, it's your, it's your own thing. It doesn't matter what it is. If you think beyond a shadow of a doubt this is wrong, Whatever it may be, let your minds go there, and you go ahead and do it. You've gone against your own conscience. You set a standard, and you went against it. That is sin. You said it, and you didn't follow it. It's ultimate hypocrisy. 
That is sin. Don't go against what you know is right. Do what is right. And you know. Most of the time, you already know. And so we, we get off track. We know where we're supposed to be headed. We know what we're trying to aim for. And then we, we, we don't. It's called sin. I want to talk to you about particularly one word, and it's a Greek word. You see the Greek word up behind me, and some of you have never seen anything like that, so you couldn't pronounce it. So transliteration is hamartia. Have you heard that? Here's a, here's a thing that could creep you out. I don't, I don't remember the television network, but it was 25, 30 years ago where they had the cartoons on Saturday morning. There was a little commercial. It was kind of cool. They had this little cartoon animated uh, digital thing where it looked like a robot and it was like falling apart and coming together and it said one thing, Amartia. Why? Why did it say sin in Greek for children to hear? I mean, what's the point? I don't know. But Amartia is a word for sin and that particular word for sin means literally missing the mark. That's what it means. Missing the mark. I was tempted to make you very uncomfortable this morning, and I didn't do it. Uh, but I was just going to bring a, uh, like a, a hard ball, like a, one off of a pool table. I could have gone and gotten one. I didn't do it. And I was going to ask you to sit still, and I'm going to throw it really hard at you. Any of you. I just pick one of you and just, you ready? And that would be uncomfortable, especially if I stood you up on the stage and said, stand there. I'm going to try to throw it at you. If you can imagine... Somebody's standing right here, and I have my eight ball. And I'm going to throw it right at your... Let's be nice. I'm going to put an apple on your head. I'm going to try to knock the apple off your head. Don't be nervous. And then if I played that out, you would all get nervous. I'm gonna, he's going to hurt them if he misses, you know, or put a dent in the sheetrock, you know. Bad things are going to happen if he misses. Well, what are my chances of hitting that apple on somebody's head. Well, if I'm aiming for it, I've got a chance. How much have you practiced? You know, have you been really, really practicing a lot? Maybe I've got a better chance. Well, what are my chances if I decide not to throw it that way, but instead throw this way? What are my chances of hitting that apple on somebody's head over here? I don't know. It's not going to happen. Missing the mark. The idea is you want to aim for the bullseye. Aim for the target. You want to try to please the Lord. But the Lord understands. You don't always hit the bullseye. He expects you to aim for it. Sometimes while you're trying to please the Lord, you're still going to mess up. But keep trying. The more you do it, the more you try to please the Lord, the better you'll get at it. Have you noticed? People who've been on a long spiritual journey who've continue to forge ahead in their de development of their relationship with Jesus, they get better at living the Christian life, typically. It's the way it works. But those, the people out in the world who could care less about pleasing Jesus, what are their chances of pleasing Jesus? Very low. You've got to aim for the target. And some of us have been distracted by sin. We're not aiming for the target we know we're supposed to be aiming for. We set out, remember I brought up a couple of times that spiritual 
mountaintop experience where you were ready to take on the world. You got Jesus. You were baptized and you felt so good. Everything was right. But you got off focus. Why, why didn't you stay on that mountain? Because the devil loves it if you don't. The devil loves it if you're not going to aim for that spiritual target of pleasing the Lord. Oh, he loves it if you can get mediocre and just casually do what looks like Christianity on the surface. If he can get all of us to be like that, we will have very little impact and very little chance of pleasing the Lord if we're not aiming for it. Do you know this guy up behind me? There's a picture of a man probably, he's like, uh, uh, I don't know, not really. I'll tell you who he is. His name is Alfred Nobel. Now, some of you, that rings a bell in your mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, Alfred Nobel. I know that. I, that's the Nobel Peace Prize guy. Yes, that's him. Did you know he invented plywood? He was a chemist, a Swedish chemist. He invented a lot of different things. Plywood was one of his later inventions. He was also an owner of several uh, armament uh, companies. But one day, when he was a young chemist, he was mixing things up. I don't know if you've seen this or not. I've been, I got to visit a chemical uh, laboratory many, many years ago. It was a, quite a substantial, big warehouse of a building, but the lower half of the wall was not of hard material. It was a thick, it was a thick uh, padded, um, like it was vinyl on the inside. I don't, I don't know what the outside was. But if I wanted to, I could have crawled under it. It was flexible. And I, it was explained to me why. Because if there is an explosion, and in chemical laboratories there are explosions sometimes, the building would give a little bit so that there wouldn't be structural damage. It's designed so that it could take a little bit of an impact. Well, that's, that's kind of cool. Well, they didn't have that in Alfred Nobel's day. In fact, they hadn't had too many things that blew up very well until he had an accident in the laboratory, blew up the laboratory, and got fired from his job. And he wasn't that unhappy about it, because he thought, whoa, I, I invented something. This is big. This is really big. And so he started to try to figure out um, what he could call this, because this was going to revolutionize the world. He decided... He had to start looking at some different languages to try to figure out what he would name this special thing that he invented. And I want to tell you about that because it's, it's special. He looked in multiple languages. He looked in uh, Latin-based languages. No, no, nothing was really powerful enough to describe this kind of power. This was big. This was a huge explosion. I've got to have something bigger. He looked in um, the, the Hebrew language. He looked in various languages from around the world, and he finally found a word that described this kind of incredible, at, to this point, really indescribable power. But he found a word that would work, and he found it in the Bible. Can I show you? In Romans... Chapter 3, now, i got to tell you if, you, if you go to, when I went to Bible college, there was 
a particular course that you could not take until you were a graduating senior. There's a certain book in the Bible that my seminary determined this is so complex, you need to get a grasp of the rest of the Bible before you ever tackle this one book. However, there's a lot of people that want to take you there first, which is weird. But I do want to take you on a little bit of a journey through Romans, a quick one. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. You know this one, don't you? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know that verse, right? We, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I, I have, you have, we all. We, know, we understand this. And then Romans 6, 23. You know, that's the next verse. A lot of times when you go through Romans, people will take you there. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news, don't, isn't it? And Paul, as he talks about this, he's inspired by God to write it, but Paul even talks about baptism at the beginning of chapter 6. You remember this? Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Paul has already been baptized. He's talking about baptism. He talks about the wages of sin. talks about all this stuff. And then he gets to chapter 7. Ouch. Look at chapter 7. In chapter 7, Paul's describing himself. This is what he says in chapter 7, verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. Can you relate? For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. You ever feel like that? Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. That's the distraction. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. This is Paul the Apostle, the writer of this. That's, that's crazy. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Do you ever feel like that? Look, look in a little bit further down, you see the next few verses. Verse 19 and following, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Do you ever feel like that? Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And Paul talks more about how you, Christians, don't live like the world. You don't live by the desires, your own personal desires of self-gratification of the flesh. You don't live like that. You live in a different way. This is that where that word was found in Romans. You live by the Spirit. Look at this further in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. Paul says this, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul is beating himself up like we do. I keep doing things I know I'm not supposed to do. I don't do the very things I know I'm supposed to do. Who will save me from this body of death, this wretched body of death? Well, there's the answer. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, Jesus has already come. Jesus, uh, Paul has already been baptized, so he's, he's already got his journey with the Lord going. He's already an apostle. He's writing these books inspired by God, and he still keeps messing up. 
So we're going to. And he's beating himself up. In fact, in another place, he says he's the worst of all sinners. And you thought you were? He says he was. That's the way we as Christians feel. There was a, there was a diver years ago. He was a photographer. And he, was, uh, he, he would go down and take pictures of, uh, of the, the water world underneath the ocean. And I don't remember what whale it was. It was probably a blue whale. But he found himself in a very rare situation. There he was in the water right next to Mama Whale with her calf. That's just like bears. You don't get between Mama and her little ones. But he was there underwater. And he was so close to the mother, he couldn't see either end of the whale. Blue whales are huge. Couldn't see either end, but he could see the calf. And he got so close, he wasn't trying to. The whale got close to him. He was so close that he decided to try something, just spur of the moment. He reached out with his gloved hand. He reached out, because it was a rare opportunity, and he touched the mama whale. And when he did... You know how when you get goosebumps, the whale did something like that. It, it shimmered. It went, woof. And when it did that, it, it made the water, just all the water, move, and it pushed him away. The whale definitely just, just shook a little, but it was, it was enough to shove him far away. Didn't flap any of its fins, just shimmered. And when he touched that whale and it pushed him so far away is when he realized how small he was. You realize the closer you get to God, how the closer you get, the more, more you realize how big God is. And, it, and the closer you get to God, the more you realize how much you have to work on you. The closer I get to God, the more I realize how far away I really am. The more I learn, the more I learn that I need to learn more. <laughs> you know, it's just the way it works. And Paul is beating himself up. What a wretched man I am. He's already been saved by Jesus. Why is he emphasizing this again? Why is he talking about this? Because it's the way we're all going to feel as we go through life and we struggle and we get distracted. It's the way it plays out. We feel like that. We get distracted, not not aiming for our goal the way we're supposed to be. And the word that appears in Romans that he discovered is not about the Holy Spirit. It's connected to it. It's about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you realize how desperately you need God, he empowers you. Dunamis is the word. You see the Greek word up behind me. The way you say it, drop it down, that's transliteration, dunamis. And the word that Alfred Nobel got from this, he created his own English word, dynamite. I don't know if you can recall, but I'll show you. Uh, remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember Indiana Jones? This isn't the particular scene. I couldn't find it. But remember when he had the investors uh, there and, they, and he was asking them questions and he starts to draw the ark, you know, and he says, did you guys go to Sunday school? 
You remember? Remember that scene? Remember when he said the ark? That symbolized holding the power of God. He said, he said it this way. Harrison Ford said, the power of God or something. And, and the whole series of movies were made about this, um, about discovering things. But the first one was the Kickstarter, the Ark of the Covenant, because it symbolized the power of God. Let's talk about that just for a moment because it has everything to do with what we've been talking about. Remember those feelings they were stirring up inside of you a little bit ago? Let's talk about what happened. Oh, here we go. Let's go ahead and go to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I, I got, uh, JC is really good. Sometimes I get out of whack and he just follows right along anyway. It's awesome. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Here we go. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't you love that verse? Yeah, I do. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And he talks about we are not in the flesh. We don't live according to the flesh. And a little bit further in chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Let's talk about that a little bit further. See, you remember in the Old Testament and in the New, there was this thing called, a physical structure called the temple. Let's look at that. You see, this is a digital um, remake of what the temple might have looked like based on what we know and other temples that were discovered. But this might have looked something like this. This is special. I'm going to show you another view. It's a diagram of the temple. And this particular diagram right here, it's... Um, this, there's more to it. If you ever, you should do some research and look at the temple area because the temple area was huge. I mean, literally tens of thousands of people could be in the temple area. But then it narrows down as you get to the temple, less and less people, based on regulations of God, could be in the temple itself. But I want to show you a particular part. Um, you see, you've got, this is the uh, holy place. And then here you've got the holy of holies. You, you remember this place? That place right there, the high priest could go. Only the high priest could go there. Because that's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, what Indiana Jones was talking about. That's where the symbol of the glory and power of God resided. So this is the, the idea is the power and glory of God is in the Holy of Holies. Separated, you probably don't know this, but there's a curtain right here. That is about a six to seven inch curtain like I described in that, um, that exterior wall. It, it's a thick curtain. Nobody gets to go there except the high priest. He gets to go behalf on the people of God to make a sacrifice, only certain rare moments, because it's a big deal. The power and glory of God is huge. Maybe you have things that come to mind, like when you watch the Ten Commandments and Moses, you know, his hair turned white after he was in the presence of the power and glory of God. It's a big deal. That's why they made a movie about it that springboarded into many others. The presence and the power of God is a huge deal. In fact, in this movie, if you remember, they had at the very end of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first one, that the United States of America wound up with the Ark. And we have it in some military facility, and that's why our military is so great. And, of course, that's a myth. But having the Ark symbolize having the power and glory of God at your disposal. It's a big, big deal. That's why Alfred Nobel 
named. He found only one word that could describe dynamite, and it was the word that described this explosive power of God that when it's unleashed, it's indescribable. Now, let me, this is like a trivia thing. I'm not going to do the thing I did before where it's got the funny stuff happening behind me. In the New Testament, I don't know if you remember, there's a thing that happened when Jesus died on the cross with that curtain that's about six to seven inches thick. It, yeah, it, it, tore, it tore in two from top to bottom, symbolizing that God's the one that stood there and did it. He tore it. Why? When Jesus died, why did God tear that temple curtain from top to bottom? Except to symbolize, no longer is the power and glory of God accessible only to one person in rare moments. But now, with the death of Jesus, the power and glory of God will be accessible to everyone. This is the trivia thing. In the New Testament, once all of this has transpired, something else is referred to as the temple in the New Testament, isn't it? What is referred to as the temple in the New Testament? Your body. In God's divine plan, all along, he had this set up so that when Jesus would, we would know we could never be good enough. We need a Savior. Jesus came, he died, he rose again, and was enthroned at the right hand of God. And with all of these things in motion, we have individually, each one of us, have direct access to the power and glory of God, and it's bigger than that. Not only do we have direct access, Christians, the power and glory of God is in us. It's in you. That explosive, indescribable power that when it's unleashed, it's, it's just so amazing. That's in you. When you're going through life and you feel like you can't keep going, you have the power of God at your fingertips. It's in you. When you feel like you can't even stand anymore, it's okay. God's got this. He has indescribable explosive power that when it is unleashed, it's truly remarkable. And when you're struggling, keep that in mind. You don't have to rely on your own power. You have got a, the kind of power in you that people make movies about and dream. It's what makes our army so great. You got that in you, Christians. God set this up so that you could be successful for him. And keep in mind, we're not just talking about the explosive power. We're also talking about the glory of God that used to reside behind a curtain. You, people of God, you are designed to host the glory of God. Do you understand how big that is? I don't know about you, but that makes me feel a little bit better. So let's talk about reconnect, reconnecting the dots. You know, when you look at life and your life's not going the way you know it should be, the way you once had in mind it needed to go, got off track. 
start talking about reconnecting the dots, you start understanding what God has for you, and you can align right where you're supposed to be going. Have your questions answered, problems solved, and be made whole again. You were on that spiritual mountaintop. You know what that was like. You can have that again. You can have that every day. Don't kid yourself in thinking that I don't know my personality. I know my personality. And I know that it's been shaped by God in large part. Some of it, not. You'll see some of that sometimes. I mess up. And if you see me mess up, please talk to me about it. I don't mind if you protect my dignity and talk to me about it one-on-one. I like it better that way. But I would like to know. I'd rather be corrected than stay wrong. That's just me. But my personality, I know, I know this. I know, you know, you all know I work in a prison. I go into a very dark and negative place daily where other people are constantly pulling from my energy. You will rarely ever see me pull down. Rarely ever. You'll rarely ever see that happen. And I, I got to tell you, I spend time praying on a regular basis, God, give me the energy because other people need it. I need it because it gets pulled from me on a regular basis. And I like having that kind of energy that other people can pull from and draw from. But let me tell you something. I don't have enough by myself. Neither do you. But what I've got in me to share with other people is from God. You have that in you. You have the ability to say the same kind of prayer. God, people are pulling energy from me and I'm trying to pour energy out. Give me more, Lord. Enough for me and everybody else around me because I want to bring glory and honor to you. You've got the power to do this, Lord, please. And he does it. I'm living proof. He does it. I'm going to wrap this up. Back to that picture of... Oh, that's right. It's not really about her. It's about you. This picture is. If you feel like you're all alone in the things that you're going through, you are so wrong. People of God, you have this explosive power and glory of God in you, ready to be unleashed. You're not alone. You're supposed to feel alone sometimes, but there are other people, in fact, they're in this room right now. There's, there's no reason why a preacher would be talking about this if this message was just for one person. It's not just for you. Just about everybody in this room as you try to live your Christian life to the best of your ability, often feels alone. But you're not alone. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for enabling us with the power of your spirit to get through life's difficulties. Forgive us when we get off focus and don't keep aiming for the things in front of us that you've put before us. Help us as we try to reconnect the dots. We know where we're supposed to be headed and how we're supposed to get there Show us the way, lead us, enable us, empower us. And Lord, may we bring glory to you through it all.
In Jesus' name, amen.